Welcome to a very special Star Wars from the back to tank Halloween podtacular special part of RMD's Halloween programming for the entire month of October. And our part in this, Dave, is um, our reviews and discussions of the tales from Vader's castle one through five, which will be coming out every single week throughout the month of October. And we're gonna have a good time with this, right? Oh, absolutely, dude! This, this comic brought a really big smile to my face because I had a lot of fun reading this. Yeah, warning here, spoiler warning: we're probably gonna come during this discussion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna be talking about Tales from Vader's Castle, number one, the haunting of the ghost, is the first issue of a five-part comic book miniseries, Star Wars Tales from Vader's Castle. The comic is written by. Kevin Scott and illustrated by Derek Cham and Chris Benigolio. I probably mispronounced that and was released by IDW Publishing. So it's being released on the IDW Publishing label, not the official go to for Star Wars, which is Marvel. Yes. Uh, Tales from Vader's Castle. Number one is the first issue of, of the canon comic book series Tales from Vader's Castle. There was a bit of um hesitation to delve into this because i wasn't sure if it was considered canon and it absolutely is and there are elements in this comic book that made me giddy inside as a star wars fan because the because of the fact that this is canon now tales from vader's castle puts a spooky spin on your favorite characters from a galaxy far far away Uh, this exciting weekly series explores the hidden corners of the Star Wars universe and features Rebel stars Hera, Kanan, and Chopper, Obi-Wan Kenobi and Count Dooku, Han Solo and Chewbacca, the Ewoks, and of course, Darth Vader, all under the shadow of Vader's castle. Now, despite it being, and I don't think this is a mystery to anybody, despite it being geared towards children, yes, I actually really enjoyed this read. I actually really enjoyed it too because like I was expecting a kitty fest but honestly if you're a fan of old comic books mm-hmm. and you remember the old tales of the crypt yeah mysteries from the vault mm-hmm. the crypt keeper elvira's weird tales weird tales yep. all that I love those because those were what got me into comics yeah me too 
this was like actually when I read this, I would go, oh my god, this for stylistically is what they're going for. Yeah. That old, hey, this is the old Tales of the Crypt. I almost expected the Crypt Keeper to come out <laughs> of nowhere and give a narration of like, you know, just the background, but the, he didn't they didn't need that narrator Mm-mm. because the narrator is the 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 crew that we're following, which I actually liked. Yeah, it was smart. There were various moments, Dave, that I really liked, but one in particular really really stood out for me. And it was the actual haunting aspect of the story. Oh, dude, that was creepy as hell. When I first heard they were going to do this, I was blown away by the exceptional B-style artwork. You know, I had that whole Scooby-Doo vibe. Yeah. But I did have a question about whether or not there will be anything about whether or not there will be anything relevant. Something that would push the mythos of Star Wars further along. In my opinion, it's very important. It's a very, very important factor when it comes to Star Wars stories that I want to read or enjoy. There's got to be something there, even if it's just a little nugget, something that pushes the mythos of Star Wars forward. And it doesn't need to be anything major, just something that that something little that feels well thought out and has implications for something bigger. Yeah, it has to have something that basically makes you question, oh, my God, are they... Where can you go with this? Yeah. And this comic did exactly that. Setting aside the writing for just a moment, let's talk about the big wow moment in this. And it's the fact that this ghost that was haunting ships was, in fact, a force ghost or force spirit. Yes. And although we didn't get a name, we got the idea that he was someone very powerful and possibly even a Sith Lord. The ghost mentions being able to bend the force to his will and the Jedi stripping him of his body. Yeah. The fact that basically not just a Jedi, he makes the comment that the Jedi, meaning there was a lot of them, had to strip him of his body. I look like that's a powerful force user. Yeah. So the fact that there needed to be more than one Jedi to work together to use their force abilities, their power to strip this Let's just call him a Sith Lord for the sake of argument here. They had to strip this Sith Lord of his body and confine him to space. And think about think about this, too. So you mean to tell me that the Jedi couldn't kill this guy? No, no, no. They had to take his force spirit and launch it into space. There's no way to kill him. Yeah. <laughs> no and this is fantastic because... It not only not only does it build upon established canon, but there are various stories that were told under the Dark Horse comics in uh, the Dark Horse comic publishing label uh, in the 90s. In particular, the Tales of the Jedi that really delve into these types of story elements. These have been retcon since, of course, and we're kind of left wondering, okay, like, all right, well, what are the abilities of the Jedi. Like, yeah, we've seen uh, moments like in Star Wars Rebels and Clone Wars with the the Witches of Dathmere and a few others. But this type of mythos, but the spirit of a Sith Lord manipulating and watching has been relatively left alone. Yeah. I mean, the closest thing we've gotten also in the comics is basically uh, actually even just recently in the latest Vader comic, they introduced mm-hmm. that uh, the helmet yep. of that Sith Lord that basically is a, is basically filled with the essence of that Sith Lord and whoever wears it basically gets overtaken by that guy and dies. And 
dude, that concept. I thought I didn't thought I didn't think that they would actually go there for this type of uh, storytelling for mm-hmm. like a kids comic. Right. Let's let's call it what it is. This is supposed to be a kids comic. Yeah. But I never thought they would actually dwell into Sith possessing spirits. Yeah. Because how some of the story, some of those stories from Star Wars, those are the darkest stories of all. And for me, it's one of my favorites. Um, with the Jedi Academy trilogy, and then of course the Tales of the Jedi story of Exar Kun and his downward fall to the dark side. We we had such great dark side mythos really built in the 90s and when it was retconned that was my only gripe was oh i i knew because i'm business minded i could i got behind the idea of disney retconning things i'm like all right i get it i understand that you need to do this otherwise you guys are going to have no directions to take your stories i completely can get on board i understand what you're doing you're you're trying to essentially do a soft reboot of a franchise that needed to be rebooted. It was just too, too much. There's too much of a cluster of, of, of narratives that, that were inconsistent at times. And we've gone into that, but when they retconned it, my first thought went to those dark horse comics, the tales of the Jedi and, and the Jedi Academy trilogy, because to me, that was the strength of the nineties when it came to star Wars, it wasn't just about the Thrawn trilogy that everybody loves but it was about the mythos of the dark side and how it was built up. So to see that they are still staying true to that and kind of bringing those elements back in, it gives me hope that we will see more of this in the future. Yeah. And especially like the, the ending to the story too. I really like the fact they, they stuck to their guns and stuck to that feel of the old horror comics of the seventies and eighties where you have yeah. to have that twist in the end. Yeah. Even if it's like a small twist, it's still a twist. Yeah. And when you get to the twist without spoiling anything about it, because I do think that people should read it, you will, fans of Star Wars will get a kick, especially Rebels, of the twist in the end, because it really brings to question, okay, this brings a lot of questions about Chopper then, if like this is, the, this is supposed to be continued on, because like, the fact that you ended on that twist, especially with Kanan and Hera, we could tell that basically this is before Kanan becomes blind because he could see. I think this is before <laughs> this is the before TV Ezra. Show. Yeah, yeah, this is before Ezra. This is before everybody. It kind of makes sense with Chopper. So I definitely love the fact that they stuck to their guns stylistically to this when I thought this wouldn't work. Yeah, I agree. Now, when it comes to the rest of the story, Dave, it was very clever playing on those scary story tropes that you had mentioned, as you had mentioned at the top of the show and the themes that just about every kid grew up with those ghost stories that are told around the campfire, the hook band, bloody finger, the flying Dutchman, bloody Mary with that moral of the story at the end. I've always loved those types of stories. The horror genre is so vast and rich and there's so much that writers can borrow to tell some really fun Star Wars stories. Oh, yeah. And using Vader's castle as the backdrop is just an amazing decision. And not because it's Vader, but because of the many mysteries of the Sith, Vader and his stronghold on Mustafar are just perfect elements to utilize and craft a horror story. Fear of the unknown is such a big factor in horror in general. 
So it all works together. There's a narrative synergy that really comes through by using these elements. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like most of the time it, it was funny because like when I was reading it and you look at by panel by panel, when they are on Mustafar, you really get this sense that they're trying to go for the old hammer film look mm-hmm. in a comic, which yeah. is hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> You're trying to actually tell a gothic horror story using a planet of fire centered around this obsidian castle. Yeah. Yeah. On paper, it sounds like it should work. And honestly, it works. Yeah, it did work. I didn't have any doubts about this when they had announced it. I had expectations. Sure. But my expectations were actually met. Met. (laughs) It's everything I actually wanted this to be. I knew it was geared towards children, but also make it something that older individuals can also connect with and like and get involved with. And overall, it definitely did work. And also the artwork, as you had mentioned again, I feel like the artwork is. Was some of the strongest uh, the story artwork is shared between two people, actually, Derek Charm and Chris Fangolio, who also produced their own covers alongside Francesco uh, Franca Villa. So there was multiple people working on this. And the fact that they were able to keep those styles consistent also with the strength of this comic book, the artwork throughout is consistent. There's no there's no panels or pages marred by poor choices. There's also a consistency to the appearance of our characters. There's not that jarring appearance change that plagues a lot of comics these days. Oh, yeah. Even in even in Star Wars comics yep. where you have Han Solo looking one way and then suddenly in the next page, he doesn't even look like Han Solo. He's just wearing the clothes and you and you figure, oh, this is Han Solo. I've never understood that about comics. Is it hard for writers? Maybe, you know, this Dave, because you're more invested in comics than I am. Is it hard for for comic artists to make the same looking person repeatedly? Is that something that it's 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 a difficult task? As easy as it as easy as it sounds, yes. It's really difficult to keep your your art consistent. It's one of the things that basically as an artist is what I always hear my artist friends always talk about consistency. Yeah. You have to be consistent. If you're not consistent, then People will will just destroy your art yeah. because like they'll say, well, this looks great, but it, this this next one you did was a piece of crap, yeah. a piece of crap. And even if it's not crappy, like let's say the art doesn't look bad. It just doesn't look like it did a few moments ago. Yeah. And I'm not talking about style. The style is always consistent. I, I very rarely see an artist, especially with these Star Wars comics. These are very high profile comic issues. The art is uh the quality is still there from panel to panel and page to page, but it's the characters themselves that look different. Sometimes the, the, the balance of, uh, you know, the, the symmetry of the symmetry of their of, eyes, it, it mouth, just, nose. It, or even just looks like a completely different person. And yeah. I, I've never understood that. And it does throw me out sometimes. And this is not just the star Wars comics. This is almost all comic books I read, but with this one, there was consistency. The characters didn't change appearance from panel to panel or page to page. And I think that's one of the things that I would, uh, I actually wrote my note notes about this comic is like a lot of people who read comics and think comics are great, really undervalue um, certain comics like 
this where it's geared for kids and a lot of kids because the art is very simplistic. Yes, it's always been simplistic because it's for kids. However, it's harder to do something like this where you have to consistently do it again and again and again. But also as comics have progressed and they're grasping at larger audiences besides the the waning younger demo that's just not as interested in comic books as years before you have much more intricate artwork with modern comics. Yeah. And you can't tell me uh, as a fan out there that some of this artwork in this book is simplistic or boring. No, one of the, one of the, my favorite pages in this is one of the final pages where the, the ghost is all dark and you only have Kanan's lightsaber and the holocron now filled with the spirit. It was so good just standing there and they're everyone's in darkness and they're doing their talk a little bit, but it still has that spooky vibe about it. That basically makes Kanan look epic. Yeah. Because he's the jet, he's the hero. Yeah. This is his hero shot. His lightsaber lighted up. He's controlling the holocron or lit up. And he, it's basically him winning the day. And it's, it's a really great picture. I've, if I could get this panel, I would honestly buy this panel of original artwork and hang it up on my wall. I agree. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pages that is, uh, that is frame worthy. I, there are um, any page, pick a page in this comic book and say, Michael, I want you to blow this up and put it in the studio. And it would look amazing. It'd look amazing. Every page is, is, is a piece of art. It is so well done. Um, also the panels are well-placed. There's no weird panels that are hard to follow. Everything flows. Um, I actually got really excited reading these comics. And yes, as we had mentioned numerous times, they are for younger readers. But this is how you do it. If you're going to do something geared towards younger children, this is a perfect example of how you do it. This is how you cross that demographic divide. Even the simplicity works. It, It aids to invoke a bit of nostalgia. Again, what you mentioned it has that 70s and 80s vibe. Just great stuff. Now, each issue is reportedly 32 pages and retails for $3.99 in local comic book shops and also on Comicsology. It's not 32 pages. They say it is, and that's how much you get. It's actually the story itself, is, I would say, is 22 pages. 20, 22. 21. You say 21? No, 22. The final page is, uh, oh, you know what? I'm looking at double pages. You're right. 21. 21. 21 pages. But they market this as 32 because they give you a, a mini story and a preview into Forces of Destiny with Hera. Yes. But it's not 32. That's my only complaint. Don't say it's 32 issue at uh, 32 pages when it's only 21. And this isn't something that just Tales of Vader's Castle does. All comic books do this nowadays. Yeah, all comic books. They do promote this. something as like thirty pages, and there's only really twenty pages. Of because story. you flip the flip the comic book around, and all of a sudden, oh look, it's another comic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now the release schedule coming up, so people know who are interested. Again, I highly suggest people picking this up, Dave. Yeah, this is a fun. It's a fun book, dude. Yeah, you have Tales from the Vader's Castle. Tales from Vader's Castle number two coming out October second. Or sorry. Tales from Vader's Castle, number two, it will come out October 10th. Number three comes out October 17th. Number four comes out October 24th. And number five comes out October 31st. It is worth the purchase. It is a fun read. 
and it's a great collector's. I would suggest getting the physical copy. In fact, I read the digital. I'm going to go pick up the physical copy because the art is amazing. Same here. It's one of those ones that basically I got, I looked at it and go, after I read it, it's a great story. And number two, I love the artwork. I love the covers. They gave like a couple of what the covers might look like. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I need it in my, in, in my box, in my collection. Yeah. So 1995 for the entire series overall, and it's well worth the 19 bucks, especially if you're a Star Wars fan. Uh, final thoughts, Dave. Final thoughts on it. The, the, the one thing that we didn't actually cover, which I, uh, I'll quickly summarize, is the c- choice of the crew. The crew that we're following on that crash land on Mustafar. Really interesting group. I love the, I love the, I love the, the visual choices they chose on the designs on everyone. They stick out. They feel like these characters could go on. Maybe. We don't know what's going to happen to them at the end. But... I thought that was a bonus to the whole thing, introducing these new characters and basically them telling stories. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it's definitely worth a pickup. I give this a solid A, which yeah. totally surprises me because like you, I was expecting, well, it's going to be a kid thing where they're probably going to throw it out. And David, we've been negative for the most part on <laughs> on not the main titles. Dr. Afra, the main Star Wars title, Vader, Darth Vader have all been solid. Just solid pieces of writing, period. Yeah. Solid installments of Star Wars that should and will always be a part of canon. And it should be because it's just fantastic. But then some of the gimmicks, some of the the quick, quick buck gimmicks, the journeys to the Force Awakens storylines, the journey to the Last Jedi storylines, they haven't always been the strongest. Yeah, it feels more like, hey, how can we get a quick buck? It's out contrived. Of, yes, there's a marketing behind it, and I'm not, I'm not shaming Lucasfilm or Disney or Marvel for trying to earn a buck. They're in a business, and when you're a business, your goal is to make money. But unfortunately, some of those stories have been rather weak. Whereas this one, I think this might be the first gimmick, the first gimmick that is high quality. Oh, yeah. That is very high quality. Very high quality. I think they put a lot of effort into this, and it's well worth it. Yeah, it, and I want to I touch on what you said about the crew, Dave. I agree. Once again, I agree with you, Dave. I feel like it was a smart move because, yes, it was cool that Kanan and Hera and Chopper on the cover. It helped sell it to the fans of Star Wars Rebels. That's a smart marketing move. They didn't really promote this as being a storyline with a whole new crew. And that's exactly what I got, what we got. It was a good call to give us a whole new crew, someone that we don't know anything about, really. People that are telling the story, we don't know their fate. If this was a story just about Kanan and Hera, we would know their fate. We know that everything's okay, that these horror stories, let's not worry about it. They're okay. But the way they have set this up, there are stakes because we don't know what's going to happen to these new heroes that were introduced. And how good of a writing, how good of writing is this, Dave? The fact that in 21 pages, they managed to get us invested in this new crew. Yes, we're not emotionally invested, but we are very interested interested. in what's going to happen. We're very interested in the fate of these new characters. Just an A plus story. I'm going to go. I'm going to one up you, Dave. You said A. I'm going to say an A plus. 
I might I join feel, you for that. I, one. I feel like this is an exceptional piece of what's the word I'm looking for, Dave? This is an exceptional piece of Star Wars, Star lore. Wars lore, and. You're right. I mean, lately we have been a, a little negative. On the comics. On the comics. Yeah. So it feels fantastic to get such a really great installment into into the uh, comic books, uh, Star Wars comic book line. And it goes to show you, Dave, that, um, that just because something's geared towards children doesn't mean it has to be silly and filled up with buffoon- buffoonery antics. Buffoon antics. It's not needed. Not needed. It's not needed. And this is a perfect example of that. All right, Dave, we must wrap this specialty discussion. This concludes our first installment of RMD's Podtacular Halloween special. I want to thank everybody for listening. We will be back next week with the next discussion and review slash dissection of Tales from Vader's Castle number two. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Hello, this is Stormtrooper One, and if you've missed any portion of the show, you can always head over to FromTheBackToTank.com and uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search BACTA, and add us to your favorites. Thank you, and uh, listen responsibly. And may the Force be with you. And long live. From the Back to Take, and From the Back to Take is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas, hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotake.com. You can also find us on Twitter at From Back to Take, as well as Facebook, facebook.com slash From the Back to Take.